0: messages out ahead of time. There was something else that I had wanted to share today, but on early this week, the Lord began to plant something in my heart that I just felt was necessary to share with you today. There's some uh, places for you to take some notes, and I would encourage you to do so, especially some of the, the scripture references that we're going to share as, as some of the promises of God. But it's come to my attention that there are, there are those within our midst that while they have a smile on their face, inside there's, they felt robbed and wounded. And in the book of Hebrews, the second chapter, verses 1 through 3, this is what the Scripture says. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And within this, this thought from Scripture here is the idea of a boat that has been tied to a dock and that somehow the owner of the boat began to pay little attention to how securely the knot was tied and whether it was through an actual mistake or just little attention that the knot begins to come undone and the breeze of the world gently begins to drift the boat away from where it had one time been tied off to. Just drifting away. And there's a scriptural principle that takes place here that the Lord wants us to come to an understanding in our lives that we we need to pay really, really close attention to our spiritual life. It gets really easy, and I've been saved since I was seven years old. And so for 51 years, I've spent just about every Sunday in my life in church and and the week, and and I know how to play the game. Some of you know how to play the game. Some of you come into the house of the Lord, people say, how you doing? I'm doing great. And inside, you know you're not doing great. That there's this sense that as it has related to how you've been paying attention to your spiritual life and and the upkeep and and feeding yourself in the Word, the, the knot that you've tied your spiritual boat to is really loose. And some of you, it's begun just to drift. Following this passage of Scripture, there is given to us an interesting illustration in one of the stories that Jesus told. And I'm going to have you turn to Luke chapter 10 because there's a parable that he tells that ties in directly with Hebrews 2 and the drifting thought. And perhaps you've not thought of it this way before, but This is a parable that many of you may be familiar with, but in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35, it says Jesus was speaking. And so Jesus is saying this story, and he says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite when he came to the place, and he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Heavenly Fathers, we approach your word today. I recognize that this will be wasted time unless the presence of the Holy Spirit opens the ears of the hearer and opens the heart of the hearer and allows me to speak under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that my heart would be so attuned to you that if you desire to speak a word that I may not have prepared, that you would instantly lead me in that way so that the intensely personal God could touch the heart of every individual here. May we see what you desire us to see so that we may be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. The parable of the Good Samaritan has been one of the favorite Bible stories from all times, but I want you to understand that when Jesus tells a story. There are no wasted words. There's nothing that should be overlooked. Everything has a purpose. And in this story, I find it interesting that in this conversation, he didn't just say that there was a certain man that was traveling and got robbed, but he became very specific in his story about where the man was coming from and where he was going to and the significance of those places to us. The first bit of information that he tells us in this is that this man had been in Jerusalem. Now we know as Christians that Jerusalem is a significant place. It is the center of holiness. It is so important to God that... In the new heavens and the new earth, what they see coming from heaven is the new Jerusalem that comes down. So holy and iconic is Jerusalem that when Jesus uses the name of this city, he is intending his listeners to understand that the individual was on a journey and he was leaving a place of holiness, leaving a place of protection, and he was traveling to some place. And Jesus mentions in his story that he was traveling to Jericho. Everything that Jerusalem is to holiness, Jericho represents to worldliness. It was the center of wickedness. It was the center of sin. And so we instantly get in this story that Jesus is telling us that this man was leaving the place of spiritual security and he was wandering on a road toward a place where he would enter into a place of worldliness. And that while he was on this journey... He was walking the wrong way on the road of righteousness. Let me tell you something. Something happens when you put yourself in a place where this can happen. You are in danger if you fail to pay attention to where you are spiritually and the knot grows loose on your spiritual boat and you begin to drift away. Once you have left the security of the dock, bad things can happen because you're in a place where bad things can happen. The reason that this man was robbed was because he wandered into a place where thieves are comfortable living and doing their work. This is where they like to hang out and do their work. They, like, they likely had set up trap points That while he was leaving Jerusalem and walking toward Jericho, he wandered right into their traps. Have you not found that to be so in your life? That when you find yourself wandering from the spiritual fervency that you know God desires for you, that's where you find yourself most likely getting robbed of the things that God wants to place within you. When we do not pay attention and take seriously the things of the Lord, we walk right into the place where Satan sets his traps for us. Now this man can represent any number of life scenarios to us today. He can represent somebody who has had a thriving relationship with Christ in the past. Yet you find yourself in a condition today where you no longer have the same spiritual desires that you used to have. You no longer pray with the same fervency. You find that The things of the world look more attractive and you are traveling the wrong way on the road of holiness today. It might represent a teenager or a young adult that has been raised in a godly home. You've been raised with values yet you have fought against those in some way and you have never developed a relationship with Christ yourself. You've just been in the safety of somebody else's boat and now that you're making decisions you have decided I am going to untie from the values that have kept me safe and today you find yourself adrift this man could also represent a Christian who because God didn't answer your prayer in the specific way that you wanted him to you have found that your faith has been disappointed and you have started to question the validity of your relationship with God perhaps He could represent some who today are discouraged or you are depressed or you have allowed yourself to become offended by something or someone and something that was said to you and you've let a root begin to grow in the foundation of your life that is literally shedding and shredding the foundation because you've kept it there without forgiveness. And as a result of that, you become overwhelmed By your offense, perhaps without even consciously deciding. You have begun to wander into a danger zone where spiritual thieves are waiting, and you recognize today, without even knowing it, I have become untied. And if I don't start rowing back to the principles and the values of God and bury myself in Him again, I'm gonna find myself in a storm outside of my control. In any event, The man of this parable was not expecting what happened to him. Isn't that the way it is? You begin to drift, and you never see it coming. The enemy's attack is swift, it's harsh, and oftentimes it's devastating because I was just drifting. And in verse 30, it says, he fell into the hands of robbers. He didn't seek them out, didn't know they were there, and they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they went away leaving him half dead he almost let one bad decision ruin his life and it would have if it hadn't been for the good samaritan now here's what i want you to know thieves are thieves because they want what you treasure thieves are thieves because they want what you treasure So what are the treasures that we carry about as Christians that the thieves of this world would love to rob you of? Let me tell you the first one. We carry with us the treasure of having our names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we are saved. Hallelujah! Okay, we're going to do that again. I thought this was just a first-service problem. I've come to recognize this as a two-service problem we have a reason to rejoice because our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life and we are saved! Hallelujah! Woo! Sometimes, when everything seems to be going wrong, that's the foundation you have to dig your heels into. Sometimes when... God's answers to prayer are nowhere close to what you suggested. You have to dig your heels into the salvation rock and say, my joy will not be stolen by this because regardless of what happens, my name has been written in the book of life. It's in the blood of Jesus. I know the date. I know the time. I know the place. And nothing can take that joy away from me. Luke 10, 20 says, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Revelation 20, verse 12 says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. If there is ever a place that you want your name recorded, it's in the Lamb's book of life. And if you're here today and have never accepted that invitation, I'm glad you're here because you're going to get a chance today. Because the decision that you make to receive the grace of Jesus Christ that sets you free in your heart is the one reason that the enemy wants to try to rob you of. He's a thief that wants to steal your security in that. And I'm here today to tell you, hang on to that treasure. Hang on to it. Because the Lamb's Book of Life is your birth certificate providing... You with proof that you were a living child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There are other promises, there are other treasures that accompany this, but that needs to be number one. Another treasure that we have is peace of mind. I sleep really well at night, every night. As soon as I put my head on the pillow, I'm asleep. Except last night. I went to bed early because I wanted energy for today. And I laid awake for over four hours. I prayed for every one of you. I prayed for people I didn't know. I asked forgiveness of sins I haven't even committed yet. I was trying to find anything that would relieve the anxiousness of my spirit and bring me peace. And it wasn't until I sat back and said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. But there's something in the spiritual realm that you see that I don't that's affecting my peace right now. And so I'm going to have to you, let you do this battle because this battle belongs to you, Lord. I need to rest and so I'm going to accept your peace even though I don't know what's going on and I took a deep breath and sleep came some of you have been anxious and your peace has been robbed because you have forgotten that the battle you are in is not your battle the battle belongs to the Lord and you lay awake at night and you're wondering what's going on and you can't get your mind to shut off, I want to tell you something. Give it to the Lord because one of the treasures of the Christian is that we have peace and joy that comes from knowing He holds all things in His hands, including your life and all of your circumstances. Other promises that are our treasure found in Joshua 1.5. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the moments that you feel lonely and abandoned and that nobody cares and nobody knows, the Lord rushes in with his treasure and says, here's one of them for you. I promised you. Even when you feel alone, you're not because I'm surrounding you. You're under my wings. I've hid you in the cleft of the rock. You're not alone. I am with you. When he gives us commands as to what we are doing, how we are to go, in Matthew 28, 20, he's talking to his disciples and he gives them the commission of missionary work and then he ends it with this. Surely I'm with you always. To the very end of the age. In other words, I'm sending you out for an impossible task if it were all on you, but I'm with you. He promises us a treasure to give us what we need. He tells us in Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs. I want you, he said all your needs. How many of you have a need today that you know that God just needs to meet? And so today you're going to stand on that promise as a treasure from the Lord. He's going to give you all you need. All you need. You're his child. He's going to give you all you need if you trust in him. Paul is emphasizing the loving care of the Lord materially and spiritually and physically as we present them to him. And he meets them all in Christ Jesus, which means in unity with Christ, as my desires and my needs are found in him, he graciously gives because it's a treasure that belongs to his children. How many of you are anxious people by nature? My hands up do you know that the Lord has something to say about anxious people? Stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. Deuteronomy 121 says, See the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers, told you. And then he says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Now, why did he say that? Because he knows that when he commands us to do something, our first nature is, I'm going to get a little anxious about this. And then if it doesn't happen the way I thought, I'm going to get discouraged. And so instantly he gives a command, a promise. He said, this is your treasure, and quit worrying about it. I'm leading you in it. I got this. I can take care of it. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. All my fears. Goes on in verse 7 to say, The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him. Here's what I want one day I want to look behind the spiritual curtain for just a second. It would do wonders for my anxiety. If he just said, let me just show you, pulls the curtains back, and we see warring angels encamped around us. It didn't say you only get one because some of you need a whole army. (laughs) But he has designated angels to surround us. We can't see it. There are times we feel it. But he says, if you could see what I see... You would know when I tell you, just stop it, that you would stop it. Only God knows the number of times that He and His warring angels have gone before you and protected you from something you never even knew was about to happen because He took care of it first. You don't even know how many times He's healed your body before you ever even went to the doctor. You don't know it, but when you get there, He's going to say, My warring angels fought that one for you. I didn't want you to worry, so I just took care of it before you even knew. How many times have we been on the road and somebody who doesn't deserve to be out on the road, God spared us somehow from them and our lives were spared because God went ahead of us and his warring angels were there at the right time. How many times has the light turned green and for whatever reason, those of us that that means go as fast as we can, we're hesitating and somebody runs the light and we thought, ooh, if I'd gone, I'd have been killed. Because God sends his angels. He says, these are the promises. These are your treasures. I do this all the time, and you don't even know it. Philippians 4, 6 addresses one of our heart's greatest maladies. Do not be anxious about... Let's just repeat that word. Pull out your underliners. For those of you that are on your phone, I don't know how you highlight it, but highlight this word. Do not be anxious about, take a deep breath. Let that sink in. Because some of you are going to walk out of here in freedom today. You've been so tense. But today the treasure is being released. Quit being anxious. God's got this. And then he says, after you quit being anxious, you have to fill that spot with something. But in everything, by prayer and petition, there's the anchor again, there's the rope tied to the foundation that keeps us healthy. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Everything. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast half... Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. These promises are your riches. These are the treasures that the thief wants to rob you of if you just begin to drift. And I'm surprised at how quickly he can pluck those from our nature when we drift. Well, we know a little bit about the treasures. Let me tell you about the thieves. There are many things and many people that are waiting to rob you of your treasure in Christ. The problem is, not all thieves look like thieves. If they did, we would run, but they don't. They come in different ways. Years ago when I was pastoring in Elmira, I had just been elected to serve in the district office and shortly after I left, one of the boys that had come through our youth group and had started college as an 18-year-old freshman, I got a call that he had been involved in a motorcycle accident and his life was taken. I went back and the pastor of the church that followed me said, I, I, can't, I don't know how to tell you this. He says, but I went to his college to begin to interview his friends in preparation for his funeral and he said, the life and the lifestyle he's living today is nothing close to what he was raised in. I was stunned at the fact that the thieves had robbed from him all of the deposits that God had made within his life. And I thought, you know what? They didn't dress as thieves. They dressed as college students. They dressed as friends. They dressed as co-workers and influencers, and yet, because they didn't know the Lord, they untied the knot for Him. Choose really, really carefully who you let influence your life. Because thieves don't all look like thieves. My wife and I, when we were leaving the associate role and we were about to become lead pastors for the first time at a church... We're sharing our heart with some seasoned pastors that we had known for a long time and they begin to discourage us saying, oh, you go to those little towns and all these things are going to happen. And just by the time they were done, I felt like our dream and God's call had just been kind of crumpled up and thrown to the side and that we didn't know what we were doing. And there was another senior lady who had been in the ministry years who heard what was going on and she came rushing to us and put her arms around us and she said, don't you let their bad experience rob you of what God wants for you. Cindy and I determined at that time we would never be the breaker of somebody else's God-given dream. Your experiences may not be somebody else's, so if somebody comes to you with a dream of what God is doing, don't let anybody rob you of that, even if they come from within the church. Because sometimes robbers are found right here. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So don't lose everything that you have invested in the Lord because you grow careless and let thieves into the treasure room of your heart. Another thief that we deal with all the time is simply becoming more in love with the world than we are with God. It happens so easy, it seems natural, it's the way the wind blows, and if you untie the knot, you will drift right into the love of the world. 1 John two fifteen through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and what he does comes not from the Father but from the world. And the world and its desires are going to die, pass away. But the man who lives for God will live forever. If the cravings of your heart are not of God, be careful. If what you see with your eyes doesn't make you long for a deeper relationship with God, then be careful. And it's so easy just to untie the boat. I'm okay. I'm so, I can see the dock from here. This is is just a small thing. It's not going to hurt me. I'm strong enough as a Christian. Those are words uttered by liars. I'm strong enough as a Christian to handle this temptation. We are smart enough to know when we lead ourselves into danger. And you have to run through the obstacle of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And if you do it often enough, you no longer will even hear the knock of the Spirit saying, don't go there. Sometimes you're the thief. Sometimes you steal your own treasure. The way that that happens is that you try so hard to live a perfect life that when you fail, you start beating yourself up. And especially if you find yourself in a habit that seems, you promise God, I I promise God if you'll forgive me this time, it'll never happen again. And instantly you seem to be back on that same trail and you fail again. And after a while, the enemy begins to whisper in your ear, God doesn't trust you anymore. You have failed him so many times, he's turned his back on you. He begins to whisper in your ear that you are hopeless, that no one is going to love you, nobody is going to trust you, and that God's grace won't reach as far as your sin has taken you. And you begin to believe that in your heart. You might not say it with your words, but you begin to believe it because you begin to withdraw. The way that that happens is after you fail, you no longer want to come to church. You don't want to be around God's people because you feel so bad. So you say, to avoid the pain of what God's drawing, I'm just going to stay away. And then it gets easier and easier, and you drift farther and farther. And without even knowing it, you became the thief to your own treasure. So today, if you're feeling robbed of joy and peace, if you feel your spiritual protection has been stripped down, if you feel like you've been beat down, if you feel as if you're about half dead, then I've got good news for you. Because there is one that brings you to recovery. There is a recovery that is available to you because of a good heavenly Samaritan. And he won't give up on you just because your condition doesn't look good. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of how badly bruised and wounded you are. He's not afraid that spiritually your bones are broken and sticking out of your skin. He's not afraid because he's got the power and the availability to come and bring healing to your life. He looks at you, and here's what I love about this. The half-dead man didn't have to get to Jesus. Jesus went to where he was half-dead. He found him where he was. He found him in the condition that he was. Because we don't have the ability to get to the healer. He's got to come to us. And wherever you are today, in whatever condition, the healer comes to you. And he finds you where you are, Where you are, and he, he pours in the antiseptic. He resets the bones. He takes care of you. He carries you on his shoulders, brings you to the Father and says, take care of him, bring healing to him. If it costs more, I'll pay it all because I'm the healer and they're worth it to me. I'm the healer. 2 Peter 3, 9 states that he doesn't want anyone to perish but everybody to come to repentance. Listen to this. Don't let the residue of a bad decision destroy the future that God wants to give you. Don't let the residue of a bad decision destroy the future that God wants to give you. Some of you are battling with the idea that God can love you. You're saying, if you only knew about me what I know about me. You know what? If you only knew about me what I know about me. None of us... We're standing before God perfect. We all need the healer. He comes to all of us, and this is a regular occurrence. We don't need healed one time. We need healed all the time. Daily we come before him. Daily he pours in the oil and the wine. Daily he speaks words of life into us. So don't for one second think that you're outside the realm of God's healing reach because he will reach you in your lowest point, and he will restore to you treasures that the thieves have stolen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me and close your eyes, please. Please start some music in the back, if you would. Malachi chapter 4, 2 says, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Now, I'm a farmer, so I know a little about that. There's joy that comes when the healer touches you. Here's the way we're going to end this morning. This morning I made the invitation and there were so many that responded. I thought, you know, I need healing today. How about you? I need healing today. If, if there's something in your life you need the healer today, would you just lift your hand? Just this, this is a hand of declaring that I cannot do it on my own. I've got to have the healer. Because some of us have wandered into a place where thieves do their best work and we've been robbed. And I want to pray for you today and then here's how we're going to follow this up. I'm going to invite my Pastoral staff and the deacons and their spouses, our prayer team, if you're here, would you please come and just prepare along the front. And by the way, I just want you to know that just because pastors are here and the deacons doesn't mean that we also are not in need of healing. But there is something that allows God to release what He wants to do when we share it with somebody. You know, we talk about connections all the time. It's one of our values that's on our banner here. There's a connection of faith that takes place when we stand and say, I, I'm in need today. I need the heater to come where I'm at. I need to fasten the rope a little bit tighter today to the things of the Word. I've been drifting, but I take heed of what the Word of God says today. So I'm gonna ask if my prayer team would please come and prepare themselves now. And I'm gonna pray for you. And at the end of this prayer, For those of you that feel you can be dismissed, we're going to let you go. For those of you that need to come and stand in the presence of the Lord and let the healer begin to do some work in you, I want you to be available to do that. So, Father, only you can draw people. There is absolutely no influence in my words whatsoever if not for the Spirit doing the drawing. But by the response of hands today, there are a lot of us that stand in need of the healer to come and to pick us up where we are. Some have drifted. Some have been robbed and bruised and are filled with unforgiveness and disappointment. And today, we need the healer to come and to deal with some things on the inside. Some, Lord, have been their own thief and they've robbed themselves of the blessing of God because they just felt, I'm worthless. And he will never pay attention to me. But today we confront that lie in the power of Jesus' name. And so, Father, for everyone who raised their hand today and for those who feel as if today is the day that they can find the Savior, I ask that in their obedience and in joining in faith and prayer with others, there will come freedom that we sang about today. That freedom would reign in this place because the healer is here. And that you come to us where we are, and you pick us up. You bind up our wounds, and you make us whole. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you raise your hand today, and you have things in your heart that God needs to heal, I'm going to invite you to come and find somebody to pray with. If you must go, then I'm going to ask that you please talk outside. This we need to keep as a place that's reverent so that God can do his work. So won't you come? as the Lord begins to plant on your heart the need to find the healer today.